Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Come on, give me a hand. One big old happy family. Amen? Amen. Why are you all laughing? That's what I want to know. Hey, today starts a brand new series uh, here at Lifehouse. One big happy family. Turn to somebody tell them it's a brand new thing this week. Come on, brand new thing this week. Um, because we know this, right? We know this about family. We know that family uh, experiences bliss, cheesy smiles, right? And, and beautiful music playing all the time, right? We know that family, they get along all the time, right? We know that, that, that there's nothing sinful that ever goes down in any household, ever, anywhere, right? And we know that families never, ever suffer from dysfunction of any kind. No, 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 no. It's not true. Everything I just said was a lie, all right? We know this, that uh, if you're in a family, the families are not happy all the time, right? They don't always have cheesy smiles and, and blissful, fluffy songs playing. Uh, we're not skipping through the, the fields and the meadows together with arms locked hand in hand, uh, or hands clasped hand in hand. We're not doing that. We know that sinful things do happen in our households. We know that there's probably some kind of form of dysfunction in your house, right, uh, of some kind. And everything I have just said, for the last 20 seconds is probably actually true, right? It's true. And it's why we're starting this series called One Big Happy Family. And this problem is not a new problem. This is not something that is, uh, you know, this is not something that's just common in the 21st century. This is not a, a recent psychological phenomenon of some kind. This is not a result uh, of modern forms of communication, social media, technology, or, or um, political landscape. It has, it's not. It's not new. Family dysfunction has been happening since the formation of the very first family in Scripture, from the very first family on the face of the earth. The moment that um, Eve and Adam were uh, created and, and came into this life sinless, it did not take long before they began to indulge in sin. And things began to shift. Dysfunction began to creep into the family setting. And rebellion against God became part of who they were. Family dysfunction became a thing with the very first family. Uh, it, it was their thing, and, it was, and it's our thing, too. Sin and dysfunction. I'm not hearing as many amens and laughs right now. Um, sin and dysfunction really walked through the front door and took up residence in our home. In fact, um, Adam and Eve are actually the only couple, they're the only family that ever knew what it was to have no dysfunction whatsoever. Only for a short period of time. But they were the only family to ever be on the face of the earth that didn't know what it was to have dysfunction for a short period of time. They, I, I can't even imagine. It's hard for us to get our head around, right? What would it be like to, to, to not have any sin, to not have any dysfunction, to not have any selfishness, to not have uh, uh, trouble and sorrow, to live in bliss, right? To live in paradise and bliss is what they experienced. They had zero fear, zero anxiety, Zero frustration, zero hate, zero um, confusion, zero fill in the blank. They, they didn't have any dysfunction, but it was only for a short period of time. And it's hard for us to get our head around. It's hard for us to imagine what it is to have just completely dysfunctional free life because it's all around us. Um, and it's um, 
And and we need to understand, just as we go along in this message series, we want to understand that God um, has a design for our dysfunction. He has a remedy for our dysfunction. Amen? Amen. It's true. And and, um, if we follow what he has to say, we can be dysfunctional free. I don't even know if that's a term, but I just made it up, all right? We can be dysfunctional free. But understand that once this uh, sin took place, that sin and dysfunction entered the picture, and it was with the first family. So if you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 4. It's going to be super simple to get to. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read out of the NLT this morning, and if you would, just bow your heads with for prayer as we pray over God's word. Father, we come to you today. I thank you for your word, God, that is quick and powerful. God, I thank you, Lord, that it speaks to us. God, I thank you for the family. But God, I pray, Lord, as we go through your word, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. And God, help us to see, Lord, that you've got a remedy for the dysfunction in our family. And God, I pray, lodge us in our hearts, lodge us in our minds. God, that we might bring glory and honor to you. And we just give you glory in Jesus' name. And amen. It says this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, all right? He was a shepherd, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He worked the, he worked the farm, he grew crops. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, I'm going to stop just there for a second because we need to understand some things. The relationship between God and this first family changed once Adam and Eve um, participated in sin. It changed from Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God and and conversing one-on-one with God. And and really, this three-way relationship, the three of them were family. It wasn't just Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning in, in this family. It was Adam and Eve and God himself, three in complete harmony. And, and it changed. Um, uh, once sin entered the picture, it changed the relationship between God and mankind. It brought a type of separation between man and God. The Word of God shows us that, tells us that. Because that's what sin always does in relationship. Always. Sin always severs a relationship. Sin always brings separation in a relationship. Sin, if you add sin, if you take any relationship and you add sin to it, it's never going to pull you together. All right? It's never going to say, oh man, we're just going to draw together in this. Right? If you add a lie to a relationship, is that going to pull you apart or put you together? It's going to pull you what? Apart. It's going to pull you apart. If you add, add, um, if you add uh, some kind of deception into a relationship, it's going to pull you apart. It's not going to bring you back together. If you add in um, theft, if you add in selfishness, if you add in jealousy, if you add in rage into, a, into any kind of relationship, it brings separation. It never brings togetherness. And this relationship between God and his first family was severed, not because God stopped loving them or because he loved them less for any reason, 
But by the nature of sin, it divides. And this is especially true with a holy God, with a righteous God, with an all-powerful God who cannot and will not tolerate sin in his presence. It, this is true. So before Jesus, now how many know Adam and Eve was way before Jesus? Before Jesus came to this earth to be the remedy for our sin, to fix this problem, right? God himself came up with a plan. He said, I, I got to do something to get us back into relationship with one another. And that plan was this, that we, he asked Adam and Eve, and from that time forward, you would see, you'll see in scripture where they made a sacrifice, and what a sacrifice was, they brought an animal and they sacrificed the animal. They actually killed the animal and spilled the blood out. And this thing was burnt on an altar. And the reason for that was, is it was a sacrifice for sin. It was symbolic of what needed to take place for us, for our sin to be washed clean. And so we could come back into relationship. And this was true way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve and with Cain and Abel, their sons. A sacrifice had to be made. But in Scripture, it says that it was Abel who brought the firstborn of his flock. We just read that Scripture. He brought a firstborn lamb uh, or an animal of some kind to sacrifice. It was the first. It was the best. It was a pure lamb that would be sacrificed for God. But the Word of God says that Cain did not do that, right? Cain said, it says about Cain, it says Cain just brought some fruit from his field, all right? Abel did what God said about bringing a sacrifice of blood, a sacrifice for sin, but Abel just brings fruit. He just picks up whatever, you know, from his fields and brings whatever. It doesn't say that it was first fruits, right? Because in, in the Word of God, we're supposed to bring our first, we're supposed to bring our best to God. He just brings a, a sacrifice, just something. So Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God, but Cain's was not. And God himself gets into a conversation um, with, with uh, Cain about his sacrifice. Because what takes place is, is they both come and sacrifice, but God accepts only Abel's sacrifice. And Cain gets upset. He gets angry. He kind of gets dejected. He feels rejected. And God continues on the conversation. He says this in verse 6. He says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right. God in his patience tells Cain, just go back and do what is right. Just go back and fix it. Don't mope, don't pout, don't get angry, don't get despondent, don't get, uh, you know, mealy-wheely, feeling rejected. Don't do anything. Just repent. That's what repent means, by the way. Repent means to turn from what you're doing and go back and do something else, right? That God said. He said, just repent and turn from what you're doing and go my way. See, God's a God of second chances. I don't know if you know that all through God's word. You can see this at the very beginning with the first family. He's a God of second chances. He's not looking to crush us. He's not looking to step on us. He's not looking to beat us down in any kind of way. He's, looking to, he's, he's telling us, look, if you don't get this right the first time, just back up. Just, just stick it in. Anybody ever stick it in reverse, right? You might did that this morning. Put it in reverse. Back it up and just do what I said. That's what he tells Cain. He says, don't look, don't, you don't have to get angry. You don't have to get frustrated. Just go back and do this thing right. But it's what God says to Cain next that should cause every one of us to take notice. It should cause us to sit up. In verse 6 it says this, Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. 
Anybody ever tell you to watch out? That's what God was telling him. I don't know if God raised his voice, but I'm going to, right? He said, watch out, because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. God instructs Cain. He says, just go back and do it right, but be careful if you don't. If you want to remove dysfunction in our family, right? If we want to remove this dysfunction that comes from the enemy and comes from sin and comes from um, evil pressure in our lives, we got to go back and do it God's way. We got to step back and do it right. We got, we got to go back and say, you know, God, I got this all messed up and I need to back up, Lord, and I'm just going to do it your way. Whatever the dysfunction is in your family, whatever's jacked up in your family tree. Anybody got any some jacked up family trees? Come on. Just, yeah, all right. Start over. Start over and do it right. Do it God's way. God's not looking to crush you. He's not going to hold the past against you. As a matter of fact, the word of God says if you, if you confess your sin, right, he's faithful and forgive you. And he casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. Do you know how far that is? Infinity. That means he doesn't even bother with it. He doesn't even remember it. He, he chooses not to. Just any time, um, listen, you witness uh, dysfunction in your family, just back up and do it different. And any time we see this uh, in our family, any time there's dysfunction going on in our family, understand that there's probably either one or more than one somebody that's, that's not listening to God. They're not doing what God had, says to do, right? Whether it's husband, wife, son, daughter, uh, parents, grandparents, any group of people, two or more, um, right? So whoever's in your big old happy family, right? Whoever that is, if it's jacked up, you can be sure that there's at least one person that's not doing what God said to do. This is true 100% of the time. It's not often I can come to you and say, I'm telling you this happens 100% of the time. I'm telling you right now, 100% of the time, this is not occasionally, this is not a sometimes, it's not situational. If there's dysfunction in your family, 100% of the time, there's one or more people in your family that is not following what God said to do, what God said is right. It's true. God invented the family. He's the designer. He's the architect. He's the one who, who structurally put it together. He's the expert consultant. He's the ultimate artist uh, of the family. And, and, and this dysfunctional family, if you've got dysfunction, consult the original manufacturer. Go back to the one who designed it. Go back to the one who put it together, who engineered it. Amen? In an article that Nancy um, Percy wrote called Finding Truth, she published this story called Scientists Led to Christ Through Research. Do Christians have to check their science or brains at the church door? Michael Egnor, a leading brain surgeon, used uh, to think so. After years and years of rigorous scientific training, he was sure a scientific worldview was incompatible with any form of religion. Ironically, it was science itself that showed him how mistaken that he was. Engor was raised an agnostic who regarded Christianity as an inspiring set of moral tales, lessons that were spiritually uplifting but not really true. Why was he so certain? Engor explained, as a science major in college, I was steeped in Darwinian evolution, which seemed to demonstrate that life could be explained perfectly well by material mechanism alone. There was no reason to invoke God, and Engor's studies also covered Freud, which th theories persuaded him that religion is wish fulfillment. 
He continued, every time I even considered Christianity, I was stopped cold by the thought that it would mean abandoning scientific integrity. Over the years, Egnor rose to the top of his field. He was appointed professor and vice president of the neurosurgery at Stony Brook University and became award-winning brain surgeon, named one of New York's best doctors by New York Magazine. One of his specialties is the treatment of hydrocephalus, water on the brain. And while developing a theory of blood flow to the brain, his research took a surprising turn. He realized the cranial system uh, that he studied was like an ingenious designed gadget. The filter that protects the delicate capillaries from the pulsating force of the heartbeat is a finely tuned mechanism like the vibration dampers widely used in engineering. In fact, Angor said most of what I needed to know was not in biology textbooks, but in engineering textbooks. Eventually, Angor realized that virtually all biological research operates on the presumption of design. The presumption led him to faith in a designer and then to faith in Christ as the designer in human flesh. If there is dysfunction in your family, if there is water on the brain kind of problem, amen, in your family, we need to go back and consult the engineer of life, the engineer of family, the one who can tell you mechanically what you need to do. It's not just what you think. It's not just what you feel. It's not just a theory in your mind. It's what, doing what he said to do. Go back. That's what he told Cain. Go back. All parties involved, go back and do what God said to do. That's how you remove the dysfunction, right? It's the cure for dysfunction. We find health and we find healing from, from dysfunction in our lives when we step back and we actually walk out, mechanically walk out, what God had to say. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. What, what if everyone doesn't want to do that, right? <laughs> well, what if I've got a big lack of cooperation going on in my household? You know, what if, what if uh, they don't want to resolve the conflict? What, you know, what, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you this. I, here's what I can give you. If you got children, correct them, all right? How many know if you're a parent, you're training them? Yeah, all right? If they're under 18, you're getting the opportunity to train them. So you correct that thing. You show them what's right. You tell them what's right. You got that opportunity. Don't let the world dictate that to you, that you don't get that opportunity, that right. God gave you that right. You, you tell them what this looks like. You tell them what this is supposed to. You back them up, right? Say, nope, got it wrong. We're going to do it this way. Now, what if they're over 18, right? <laughs> I heard some chuckling going on here. All right? What if they're over 18? You just fix you, all right? There's a point where they become responsible for themselves. You can talk to them, you can tell them, but you just fix you. You just back yourself up, man. You got to ask yourself, am I being dysfunctional amongst the dysfunction? And you just got to back yourself up, and you got to say, as long as I'm being functional in this, that's who I'm responsible. Do you know, what, do you know who's going to stand before God one day? You are. Do you know who's going to be with you? Nobody, right? You're going to stand before God yourself. And he's going to ask you to be responsible for yourself. Now, you need to raise your children, but when they, when they become adults, you got to turn it over. You just fix you. And, and I know I'm making something sound really easy that's really difficult, right? I know this is a hard thing. This is not an easy thing. But back up and do right. It's doing the same thing mechanically every time. It's going back 
saying, God, what do you say to do in this situation? You know, sometimes we get, um, you know, we get in fights and conflicts. Do you know that there's a prescription in God's word how to handle that? Go back up and do it that way. Rarely do people do that. Rarely do they do what, he, what God's word says, because God says go to them privately, one on right, right? One on one and see if you can work that out. If you can't, then you take a witness with you and you go back. If not, then you bring it before the church. If, that doesn't, if all that doesn't work, then, then you kind of separate them from you, kind of like you do your kid, right? You send them to the room. There's a whole prescription in God's word. Do you know how many people do that? Very few. It will eliminate the dysfunction. You believe me? Amen. Come on. If not, hopefully you will by the end of the message. All right. God warns Cain. Do what is right, Cain, because if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. And it wants to have you. It wants you. If we don't do what's right, sin is crouched at the door waiting to have us. He said it in Scripture, but if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. If we don't master sin and the thoughts and the emotions that lead up to sin, if we don't master the dysfunctional thoughts in our head, the dysfunctional emotions that start to stir up in us, if we don't begin to control that, it's going to overtake us. It's going to get us. That's when we start to slip into dysfunctional behaviors. And when we start to slip into dysfunctional behaviors, we kick the door open for sin to walk in and jump on us. That's, that's, that's what happened with Cain, right? What did Cain start off doing? Well, when he didn't do it right and he got told he didn't do it right, he didn't say, you know what, I just need to go do it right. Uh, let me go back and redo this again. That's not what he did, right? He had a big old pity party for himself. You have a pity party for yourself? You ever get corrected on something? You just have a big old pity party? They hate me. I just know they hate me. They just don't like me, right? They're jealous of me. They're picking on me, right? Pick out a million different things. We, we do that. We have, woe is me. Some of you just do, woe is me. Oh, I'm the only one. You ever say, I'm the only one, right? No, this doesn't happen to anybody else. It's only me. Out of seven billion people, it's only you, right? You know, we do that. We, we have this, that's exactly what Cain did. And he began to get, he began to have this dysfunctional ideas. He started getting angry and he started, right? He started to get about something he shouldn't have been angry about. He starts getting dejected feeling. He starts grabbing, he starts gravitating towards all these things. He didn't master his emotions. He should have got a hold of himself. Do you know you can do that? Grab yourself right now. Just go ahead. Just like you're going to, come on, just grab yourself. You got to get a hold of yourself sometimes. You got you to have a talk with yourself sometimes. You got to get a hold of your emotions. You got to control your reaction and, 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 and make it more about action instead of reaction in your life. You got you to take those thoughts captive. Boy, if you can learn to practice one thing, learn to practice capturing a thought, grabbing a hold of a, a thought and crushing that thing. We think things and we just let it play in our head over and over. We entertain that thing, crush it crush it. Now, I know your brain's going to keep on going. How many of you got brains? It just won't stop. Sometimes even when you sleep. All right. You, you got to replace it with something else because just stopping. Some of you can't just stop and do nothing. You can't just shut your brain off. All right. I know how it is. Some of you can't. You got to replace it with something that's right. You got to replace it with something that's uplifting. That's why scripture says, right, to think on things that are good and lovely and of good report. Right. You got you to replace it because if you don't, you're going to open the door those dysfunctional emotions, those dysfunctional thoughts, those 
dysfunctional reactions will kick the door wide open and sin will jump all over you because it is crouched at your door. It's crouched at all of our doors. We get blinded. Do you ever get blinded by emotion? We get blinded by We don't even see what's sitting outside the door. We don't even see it. We just start reacting. Arrest your thoughts. Sin will leap on you. Turn to somebody right now. Tell them, master your emotions. Come on. Master your emotions. Come on, preach at them a little bit. Master your emotions. Some of you want to say that for a long time. All right? In the Word of God, we don't know how long it's been between the conversation with God and what happens next in Scripture, but we do know this, that Cain didn't listen to what God spoke. He did not listen to the engineer. He did not listen to the designer of life because in verse 8 it says, One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. He murdered him. Whatever rejection Cain was feeling, whatever anger and frustration was in his heart, whatever depression came over him, whatever he allowed to accumulate, whatever dysfunction that he let build layer by layer, it built up and it built up and anger began to jump on him and anger turned into resentment and then resentment turned into jealousy and then jealousy turned into hate and then hate turned into murder. It got mechanical and he killed his brother. That's what happens when we don't master dysfunction in our life. When we don't um, do things God's way. When we don't uh, make sure. I want you to think of it this way. It's small snakes of dysfunction that'll get you. Small snakes. For eight years, Sally had been the Romero family pet. When they got her, she was only one foot long. But Sally grew eventually, uh, and she reached 11 and a half feet and weighed 80 pounds. Then Sally, a Burmese python, turned on 15-year-old Derek. She strangled the teenager until he died of suffocation. The Associated Press online quoted the police as saying that the snake was quite aggressive, hissing, and reacting when they arrived to investigate. If you do not kill off the little snakes of dysfunction, they will jump on you. They will begin to choke you. The Word of God says when sin is full grown, it brings about death. It brings death. And it starts in our families. Last closing point. I'm going to ask if the worship team would come. I want to preach and just give you this one last point. The Lord gives Cain um, some awesome, awesome advice at the end of their little talk before Cain decides to take matters in his own hand. All right? We must subdue and master the dysfunction. Let me give you a little truth about God. If God tells you or he commands you or says to you to subdue something, to master something, then that means that God will give you the power to do that. God never commands us to do something that he does not empower us to do. As Christians, he gives us the power. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can master and subdue the dysfunction in our lives and in our families. He never, ever will ask you, God, understand this, but get this into your spirit. If he tells you to do it, he will empower you to make it happen. He really will. I'm going to ask if you'd stand this morning. Jesus came and paid a very dear price for the dysfunction that's in our families, and we've all got dysfunction in our families. All of us do. Um, we, can, we can drop the facade, right? The blissful smiles when we come in. 
Um, we do that when we come into church. How's everything? It's wonderful, <laughs> right? Yeah, geez, you know, we do all that. Yeah, it's great, right? And all, uh, and, and and the reality is, at home, all hell's breaking loose. You know, you got you got family are fighting with one another. You got dysfunction that's this like plagued for decades, right? It's just it seems like you're never going to get rid of it. You got, you got things stirring. Your kids won't listen to a doggone thing you say, right? There's just things, there's dysfunction that's taking place. People are getting angry. They're getting emotional. They're getting frustrated. We got to go back and do what God says. If you don't know what God's word says, find someone who does. Who can tell you mechanically what to do. Because God's got instruction in what to do. To kill the dysfunction. To keep sin from jump, jumping on you. See, this is a whole repentance message. Repentance means you got to turn from what you're doing. What's insanity? What's the definition? You keep doing the same thing, expecting what? Does it ever work? No. You got to do it God's way. And don't do it one time and then just wait for it all to hit you, okay? We do that, right? We'll be in dysfunction for, for a year. We'll be in dysfunction. Okay, God, I did it right once. Come on. Get it done, Jesus. Uh-uh. You just start doing it God's way. And you start watching what God does. He starts working it out. He starts working it out. I, I love looking and talking with people about their family trees. Because it seems like uh, many times when I talk to people about their family trees, and, and especially if you, they're from a really dysfunctional background, right? They got these families that are super dysfunctional. They got all this mess. And, and all of a sudden, somebody gets saved. They find Jesus. And, and, and they start talking about their family tree. And the more they talk about it, they start telling you about, oh, yeah, you know, I got these kids and I got these grandkids. And all of a sudden, now it's not perfection, but all of a sudden that, that branch that, that split off from there, there's all this function that starts to happen. The dysfunction starts to disappear. And there's this functionality that begins to happen. If you got people who are walking and following Jesus, and they're actually walking out what they believe, because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If they start walking that out, all of a sudden, you see all this green over here instead of all this death and mess. I've seen it in family after family after family after family. Not perfection, right? We're not going to hit that this side of heaven. But the dysfunctional disappeared. One big happy family. His family. Why don't you bow your heads? Father... God, as we launch this series, and God, those who are listening online this morning, God, we all know, Lord, that there's dysfunction in our families. God, we know that there's things, Lord, God, that, that, that have crept in. And Lord, God, sometimes it starts off with those non-sinful things. Lord, God, just attitudes and hearts. But boy, does it slip into sin quick because sin's crouching at the door. It's always looking to have us. God, I know the enemy wants to destroy every family unit. God, because it's established by you. God, you set it in place. And the enemy's always out to crush anything that you've done. But Lord, you've given us the power to overcome. You've given us the power, Lord, to stand firm. You've given us the power to be free. And Lord God, I pray right now for each one in the house. God, I pray. Lord, some of them, some, somebody's been listening to me this morning and they've been convinced for a long time it can't ever change. Nothing's ever going to shift. All they've got to worry about is shifting them. Lord, if it's just them and it's adults around them that are dysfunctional, God, just let them shift them. Because if they shift them, God, if we shift ourselves, God, you're going to begin to bring the functionality, God, in the, in the relationship. God, you, we open the door. God, we shut the door on sin and we open the door for the Holy Spirit to begin to move in power in our lives. God, I pray. 
convince them this morning. Shift their thinking. Shift their mindset. God, help us know that you've empowered us, Lord, to crush the dysfunction. God, if there's children in our house and, God, they're young and they're not adults yet, God, give us the power and the strength and the functionality, the mechanics, God, of raising them. Lord, God, in the fear and admonition of God. Lord, I know they're going to make choices when they get there uh, of age. And, and God, there's, there's nothing we can do about that part. But Lord God, we can on the front end. So Lord, I pray, give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance, Lord. God, begin to crush the dysfunction. God, that's in our families. And help us in this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.